At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. I've got an exciting episode today. Uh, we have just in the last, how long ago was it now, uh, Ryan? Three weeks? Two weeks? Um, yeah, it was, what, July 18th or so, I think? Yep. Yeah, so two weeks ago. So two we- 10 days ago, I guess, nine days ago. Um Bear Archery released the new bow that they worked on with the hunting public, the Adapt. And I've got today, I've got uh, Aaron Warbritton of the hunting public and Ryan Schutz, product manager on the compound side of things for Bear Archery, to dive into this bow. Uh, Before we start, though, Aaron, uh, I've been excited for you to kind of give a rundown of y'all's turkey season, how it went. Um, Just a, a, a 30 not a 30 second. We'll go three minute elevator talk about how your turkey season went. Uh, pretty good. I mean, turkey populations are down in a lot of places right now. So hunting was tough in some areas, but overall it was a pretty good spring. Um, we, uh, we kind of bounced around. We hunted some new, new areas. We got to go out with, uh, some of our buddies, um, and across the country really. And yeah, we had a good time. We wrapped it up out west and hunting Miriams in Colorado. So always fun chasing those things around the mountains. Do you have but, a total number of how many turkeys were shot? No, uh-uh, I, don't, I don't even have any idea. <laughs> to be honest, I'd have to go back through and count them. 312. Count them <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. No, we did. I'd say we probably didn't shoot as many this year um, as we as we have had in past years but that was kind of on purpose we're just not we're traveling and probably getting fewer tags since yeah. we've got some population issues across the country but um we still we still did pretty good we heard quite a few turkeys most places that we went so uh can't Very complain cool. about that what is uh what's your first upcoming fall plans uh we're going out west to deer hunt I know that for at least a couple weeks, and then a few of us are going to be elk hunting in the middle to latter part of September. Yeah. Gotcha. That's Actually, that's not first on the list. The first on the list will be antelope hunting in Montana. Gotcha. Uh, I don't have a tag. Zach does, and he's planning on going out there around the 17th or 18th of August, I think. Very cool. Ryan, what's your first uh, upcoming hunt? What are you getting prepared for? 
Um, I'd say, well, dear Nebraska, we open fairly early in September, but usually I don't get um, big into it until, you know, that mid-October time frame. They'll start to move a lot more around here. Gotcha. Very cool. I was just out. You know, I finally got to that place, uh, Ryan, where where I'm more comfortable with my recurve than I am my compound. I've got a uh, I've got an elk and bear hunt combo set for September, and my plan was to take the recurve for bear, um, just because it's in a stand over bait, um, and then my compound for elk. And so I went out and I was shooting my my compound, and I'm like, man, I feel more comfortable at four even forty yards with my recurve than I do my compound. And so I don't know which one I'm going to end up taking yet, but I, uh, it was kind of a exciting time to be more comfortable with a reeker than I am a compound. Yeah. It's crazy when you get to that, there is something about carrying something so much lighter. People oh, yes. don't realize that that's one of the big things. Even when we talk crossbows and stuff like that, they're like, well, you can right. be more accurate. And I was like, yeah, but when you're talking, walking a couple miles with something that's 10 pounds versus six, just yeah. depending on what we're talking about. It, it starts to, you know, weigh on you, pun intended. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just want to encourage people, whether you're making the switch from uh, a, a crossbow to a compound or a compound to a, a recurve or a recurve to a self bow, whatever that transition period you're in, I've been incredibly ticked off at times. Um, like incredibly ticked off at times, but I just want to encourage you when you put in months of work and shooting daily and, and hanging in there, you'll get to that point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm now more comfortable with this. And I was my old weapon, um, because, you know, I've been practicing daily with my recurve and I haven't shot the compound since last deer season. So when I picked it up, it was just like, man, this is no longer like the comfort choice for me. Um, and so just hang in there, you'll get there, um, in due time. But we're here to talk about a new compound, uh, which I'm excited about. Looks incredible. Haven't got to shoot it yet, but it looks phenomenal. Um, who wants to who wants to take the 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 reins on the idea behind this bow? Oh, Ryan probably should. I've all he did was just ask me some very basic questions, me and the guys, and we we helped them, you know, kind of uh give them give them some suggestions here and there but ryan is the real brains behind it ryan's the brains behind everything yeah <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> this one well i can kind of give the background story because of course the hunting public had a huge kind of influence and and kind of what type of ideas we pitched back to aaron right and group so you know last year uh aaron and group they really I mean, they pushed all the bows, but it's, it sure felt like the species kind of rise to the top. People would come up and see us at events and other things like that and be like, well, we want the hunting public bow. Wh which one's that? And we're kind of like, yeah. what, what do you mean, which one? They shoot like all of them. Like which, there's multiple, but ev almost every time it was the species. And a lot of it had to do with how much work Aaron and team did with how the arrows fly and the solo cam. And it just seemed like everybody wanted like that easy bow right so when we started to think about what could we do um for the hunting public that would really seem to fit most if not all team members um 
the single cam kind of started to rise to the top. We also had some dual cam and some more aggressive cam options there that we wanted to talk about, but they like a little bit longer to act axle to axle bow. So we talked about, you know, riser options and things we could do, um, do there too. Also having a good solid wall. Like when I think of the hunting public and what kind of bow we wanted to deliver to them, it's kind of what we just started to talk about with the recurve. I wanted them to have a bow that like when you start to shoot it, you're like, ah, and then you pick up a different bow. You're like, uh, I like yeah. this bow better and it's one of those comfort type things it's hard to explain like a lot of people like to be like oh you always like the most expensive bow better i'm not sure that's always the case it just absolutely not just depends i know i've talked to you before two years ago like when we offered the legit i turkey hunted more with the legit than i did at that point i was working on the refine and then the redemption which are both technically better bows spec wise than the legit but man when i shot the legit my comfort level was just through the roof. So we feel like what the adapt does is that, and some of the small things we did on that was, and we'll get more in depth, but the grip fits the bow perfectly, gives you just, a, I would say a little more contact to the bow, but not a lot to where it would affect any type of shot placement or anything like that. It just actually just feels like the bow fits you better in my opinion. And then with that draw stop, I like to draw fairly hard and I also like to be a pull through shooter. So a lot of that has to do with ground blinds and then also tree stands. So then a more in depth to how my shot is versus where my body is because I know I'm pulling through. I don't have to worry about any creep or anything like that. And having that draw stop on or that solid stop on that single cam. So on the Adapo, we offer a limb stop. So, I mean, it's as solid as it gets if you're a pull through shooter like myself. So I just feel like when guys shoot that and you start to put that total combination and how smooth that cam is, it starts to be one of those things where I just don't feel like I need any other type of bow. It's just so easy. And the other thing I'd add too, especially with the way the hunting public Uh, hunts is you know those guys are on one knee one foot sitting on a log you guys are just as you know into or in the tree stand into it as can be and a smooth draw cycle is everything because we've all i know i can tell you i've been in some running situations where i felt great and then i go to pull a bow back and it's you know it's more of an aggressive cam and next thing you know my foot moved when I didn't want it to, or, I mean, most of that has to do with your, when you're in a kneeling position. And I feel like this bow, it, it's probably not going to draw so smooth. Yep. That's, that's the, that was, that he hit on a bunch of things right there. Um, that we, we've discussed, I don't know, Ryan, how long has this process been going on? It's been well over a year that we've been talking back and forth about this thing. Yeah, we tried to start developing in um, about, well, about this time last year, right? I know you guys were already hunting when we were trying to talk about developing it. Yeah, and he's he's kind of downplaying the grip a little bit because it, that's exactly what you told me when we were on the phone talking about it months ago. It was like, it's not a huge change, but it's, it's kind of nice, and I think you guys are going to like it. So Ryan sent a grip out for us to test and put it on Greg's bow. And immediately Greg was like, yeah, this is, this is way more comfortable than the, than the last grip that we had. And we're like, well, we're thinking about putting this grip on the adapt, you know, 
what do you think? And everybody was pretty well unanimous in that decision. But to his point about the the single cam, the draw stop, the smooth draw cycle, the axle to axle length, our whole idea behind the thing was how do we create an extremely effective and accurate killing tool for deer hunters? You know, like your average deer hunters. Now, obviously, you can use this thing for whatever the heck you want to hunt with it. Um, Zach's taking an antelope hunting next month. He's been practicing in the yard at 70 and 80 yards with the thing. But I, we really like that smooth draw because to your point, Ryan, we find ourselves in situations as bow hunters all the time, especially deer hunting, where you got you got deer within 20, 25 yards and you've got a you've got to come to full draw really controlled and very slow or you have to let your bow down very controlled and very slow. And that was the first thing Zach said when he picked it up because he'd been shooting a dual cam bow for the last couple of years. He's like, holy cow, the draw cycle on this thing is so much smoother than my old bow. And he felt like that that's good. He's like, this is going to give me a lot more confidence going into the fall when I'm trying to draw back on deer and shoot them. And the solo cam thing, um, we literally, as you, as you guys know, we've been testing arrows for the last couple of years, I mean, from 400 grains to 800 grains. And in that process, we kind of realized that that species just, you could put whatever, you could take that species out of the box and put any arrow on there. And within a few shots, you could get it tuned. And we had that experience over and over again, not just with the species, but with like the paradox with the whitetail legend, all of those solo cams in the last few years, which is why we won another reason why we went with the solo cam. It is a little bit slower than the dual cams. Um, but at the end of the day, we're deer hunting and we're the majority of the deer we figured it up the other day is like, I don't know how many dozen bucks in the last few years, but we figured up the average shot distance. It was like 17 yards. So we're like, man, we don't need, we don't need something that's cranking 340, 350 feet per second. And this bows at 320 IBO, I believe, um, which hey, is average, average, fast. average Pope and young record. I'm not talking about just animals in the book. I'm talking records are killed at 24 yards. If that doesn't tell yeah. you something, then people yeah. are so obsessed and worried about speeds and shooting animals and shooting targets at a hundred, 120. I'm like, dude, how many world records were shot this year under 20 yards uh, world records. I'm not talking just big animals. I'm talking world records shot under 20 yards, but yet we're so concerned about how fast can our bow shoot? What's the drop at hundred yards? Do I have enough pin gap to get 120, you know, whatever. Um, I could care less about speed. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. I mean, well, it was definitely in the priority list for us, but it was down the list, you know, like the draw, yeah. the, the smooth draw, the accuracy of the bow, the feel of the bow, you know, the durability of the bow, all those things, even the axle to axle length that we went back and forth about for a while, Ryan, it was like, man, how do we, cause the, you know, the thing that some of us don't like about the short axle to axle is they're not as forgiving to shoot. The longer axle to axles are more forgiving to shoot, but the short axle to axles, you can maneuver around in tight quarters where the longer ones are more difficult. So it's like, how do we create a sort of happy medium there that satisfies both of those worlds and that fits a wide range of people? Because for our entire group, 
I mean, I got a wingspan on me. Mine's like a 30 inch plus drawling. And then you've got Ted and Greg that are down at 27, 28, you know, and, and we just, our group kind of spans a lot of the framework of your average bow hunter. I feel like. So before Ryan, I want you to give me a speech on the grip. What's different about it. What makes it better? Um, the features of it, but before that, um, Aaron, I've probably gotten three emails that mention you guys and why should I get a solo cam? Because I see the hunting public love solo cam. Why are they better? Why are they not better? Um, give me your, what, what do you tell guys? I mean, you've already mentioned a couple of the benefits of a solo cam, but why do you guys gravitate towards the solo cam? What are your top three reasons? Uh, it just tuned really easily for us. Number one, yeah, it's super smooth to shoot and accurate. We're not as concerned about the speed aspect, which is correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, that's the one thing you give up with the solo cam is it, it's not as fast as some of the dual cams. Yep. You do that 320. And I'm glad we're talking about the cam because what I've already read on, you know, with some of this launch that we've had two weeks of is a lot of people ask, well, if you're shooting in a heavy arrow, why aren't we putting more power behind it? Which you could start to get with, you know, we do like to do a lot of hybrid cams and we do the three track cams now with the EKOs that all give you more power. Right. But everything has a give and take. And I can tell you, there was a lot of conversations with me and Aaron and the whole group based on what cam to go with this and it wasn't just easy let's do the solo cam they wanted a solo cam but they wanted some uniqueness in the solo cam like with putting this draw stop in there and then also we tried to push the speed as much as we can what tends to happen on solo cams once you start to get a lot over a 320 solo cams are kind of known for having cable wear and so we wanted it Aaron said durability so before, so we we're trying to give it the best we could with the solo cam, but without causing a lot of cable wear or string wear. When you start to get over that 320 IBO speed, um, you tend to eat up strings and cables on on solo cam bows more than you would like a dual cam and some of the other other options out there. So we tried to kind of. I feel like almost a video game. We're trying to make the best player we could. So we have like a bunch of 90% and 90% yeah. 90%. <laughs> Instead of just going all the way, we're just going to give up everything for speed. Um, that's not what we did with this, but we did not give up everything for speed. So we tried to make sure we had the most speed we could, but still allowing really, really good durability and then very smooth. And really what we think the hunting public wants to do is a lot of people even tone these bows down right like if i could set everybody up i'd be like you know a longer draw length and if you can keep the bow maxed out great so if you're like 29 inch and you you want to shoot 70 pounds and i want you to keep those limb bolts all the way down and whether it's 71 72 that's where I'd, i would like you to be but that's not exactly where people go especially when you're trying to make sure it's a smooth draw you know a lot of people tone these down to 60 63 everybody kind of has a preference it feels like with that and so combs perform so well with that and have little tuning adjustments at times i mean any bow can be you know improved by 
by good tuning by any bow shop or people that know what they're doing on tuning that single cam can get out of tune at times but it's really easy to bring back into tune where some of like you know three track cams and some other bows like that you know when you get out of out of time you don't even realize why you're having issues until you talk to somebody that's kind of been down that road before so really easy with that and then Aaron hit on it a little bit, but you guys definitely have to have a following for shooting heavy arrows. So before I even called up with ideas, I was thinking, okay, what's going to shoot a 600 grain arrow best and how do I make sure it performs? So we were thinking about heavy arrows quite a bit with this setup. Yeah, I shot, I shot a, the other day I went out in the yard and my whole plan was that I was going to shoot two different arrows this fall and I was going to basically have to completely changed the tune of my bow for both of them i had a 550 grain arrow and a 700 grain arrow (laughs) that thing is arrow yeah and it's probably just ridiculously too much but um (laughs) regardless i've been shooting it good and i don't really care i i don't care if the thing is 400 grains or 900 grains if i'm hitting where i'm aiming that's that's like the number one thing that's what trumps everything if I've got a good broadhead on there and a heavier arrow, I might be able to deal with bone a little bit better than some of the lighter ones. But that's really a, 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 a far second. Like the the accuracy is the, is the major deal. So I shot a 550 grain arrow and a 700 grain arrow out of the same bow, the same exact setup. And they both are flying like darts. The 550 grain arrow just doesn't drop as much at distance. But I really didn't like the bow shot them both really well. And I, I haven't touched it as far as the tune or anything, which is what we've seen in the last few years with these solo cams from Bear. Like they just will shoot anything. And that's why that's one. That's a major reason why we went with it. And the, the ability to draw that thing smooth and hold it and have control of it. That's so important in a hunting situation because that's where our mind goes to with all this stuff. I'm not. I'm not worried about shooting 3D targets. I'm not worried about shooting, you know, at the range. I'm, I want to have a bow that is going to be, in our minds, perfect for the hunting situation. That's, that's what we want. And most of our, like we said, we've already touched on, most of our shots are inside of 30 yards. Yeah. So Now, let me just, let me just, we got to back up here because we're talking about <laughs> speed, 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 speed. This bow's slow. This bow's slow. We don't care about speed. This well, 320 is, is really not that slow. 320 is not slow. 320 feet per second. No, you, okay. you can't tell a huge difference between it and a, you know, a bow that's shooting 330 feet per second. No. You're really Listen, it's putting I hairs. got news for you. If you were to tell my dad 30 years ago, dude, we're going to get you a bow <laughs> yeah. that shoots 320 feet per second, he would have laughed and fallen off his chair and said, yeah, okay. When I see it, I'll believe it. I say all that. There are faster bows out there. I know that. The technology today is insane. But 320 is far sufficient enough to shoot anything you want to shoot. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, there there are guys who, who shoot bows much slower. And, and 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamed of having a bow that fast much less a single cam that fast. So 
the bow is going to perform. I absolutely, I love, I said this from the beginning. I love a 32 inch axle to axle. That's my absolute favorite axle to axle you could ever get on a bow. Um, so I fully believe this bow is going to shoot great. Um, Aaron, Brian, I haven't even told you this yet, but all of us were in the yard the other day with our adapts and we were shooting the video that's going to go on our channel here in the next couple of days where we basically discuss the bow and like that, the whole story behind it. And I, I literally told Greg, it's like, I've got to be careful because I sound like a salesman in this video because <laughs> I seriously, I seriously love this thing. Like it is, it's one of the, my favorite bows that I've shot in the last decade. Zach immediately picked it up and, and started shooting it. And he's like, dude, this thing is freaking awesome. And across the board, everybody in our crew absolutely loves it. And you know, we ain't, that's why I told Greg, it's like, people are going to think we're saying that just because it yeah. has our name on. It's like, no, it really is like our favorite bow that we've shot in a long time. Well, uh, I love awesome. that you bring it up because when we were making this bow or developing it, that Dylan, the talk was, okay, we'll, we'll make this, but you guys don't all have to shoot it. Right. You know, we're still bare on our side. So we're like, you know, yeah. we have some other new bows in the works. You're like, you guys are going to shoot those too. Right. And you can, and next thing you know, um, there's a phone call saying all these guys just kind of really just want to stay with the adapt. Now. We're like, we they can shoot whatever they want. But I mean, it went from, can we still shoot the other line to man? Do we love this one? Which is great. Oh, yeah. We were, Which is, we really phenomenal. love this one. Greg's still going to shoot his refine and the adapt. He's got them both set up for different stuff. Um, and I think Ted's going to shoot his, he's got his species EV and his adapt that, that he's working with. But I, I was going to set up two different bows, but I think I'm just going to use this adapt because it shoots, it shoots both arrows that I'm wanting to shoot so well that I don't want to, I don't want to put it down. I mean, I'm really feel like I'm more accurate with it than I have been in some time and uh yeah as soon as i picked it up that bow in that that bow the paradox and the white tail legend in the last couple years like as soon as i took them out of the box it was immediately like man got the arrows tuned flying great and sighted in and i think that's why a lot of people like them because they're affordable they can get accurate results fairly easily and quickly with it with a variety of different arrows and that at the end of the day i mean we already said 320 feet per second is plenty fast enough for killing white-tailed deer yeah and yeah well you, and it makes the whole package very shootable like we've been on speed but i mean the bow is just under four pounds i mean it's a six and a half inch brace height so we're kind of talking about standards i mean a lot of bows are six inches and i have a lot of bows in my lineup that are that type of brace heights but this one's a little bit longer still getting that speed and it does feel like the sweet spot right now is kind of like a six and a half brace height 32 inch axle to axle yeah. everybody seems to it almost seems like more people have axle to axle opinions and speed opinions lately which is fine as people have started to shoot different ways with like tree saddles and so much ground blinds. Um, that axle axle has just became more and more important to people. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you when, I'll tell you when the speed game changed for me. Um, first off, I'm going to give you guys your next question. So you can be thinking about it. Aaron, when you pick up a bow, not just this bow, when you pick up a bow, what are you looking for? Um, and then Ryan, when you go to create a new bow, 
what are the first things you consider when you're creating a new bow? Um, but I'll tell you when the speed game changed for me. Um, I don't know. It was probably the better part of six years ago. I, I bought a new bow and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go with 60 pounds. Why not? Like it doesn't, you know, 70 pounds, who cares? I'm like, people, people kill deer with 40 pound recurves all the time. Uh, my wife's shooting 42 pounds with her compound and kills deer all the time. So why not shoot 60? And I thought, man, I'm going to lose so much speed. And that was back when really the speed game was like all the, on the rave. And, uh, and I shot that bow even out to a hundred yards. I shot that bow better than any bow I've ever shot. And I'm like, this is the slowest bow I've ever shot, but yet I shoot it better than any bow. I've ever shot. Um, and a lot can go into that. It was a 32 inch axle to axle, seven inch brace height. Um, you know, a, a lot can go into that, but I just realized, man, we're so worried about speed so we can shoot longer distances, but I shoot this bow that I'm shooting really slow and at 60 pounds better than any bow I've ever shot. And so from then on, I just never cared about speed. Um, never, I, I never shoot my bows through a chrono. Don't really care how fast they're shooting. Um, I just, like Aaron said, I mean, I want to be able to hit a dot um, and kill an animal at different ranges. And if I can do that, who cares how fast the, the arrow's flying? Um, Aaron, what do you look for in a bow when you pick it up? A uh, number of different things, but I'd say just the overall feel of it is the most important. Like how comfortable it is uh, to shoot, you know, how forgiving it is. I don't want there to be a bunch of hand shock. I don't want that there. I don't want it to sound like a gun going off, but I just say the, the overall feel of the bow. Cause like, and that's why I, that's why I said, Ryan's kind of, you know, he needs a huge pat on the back for that grip because the grip is, is part of that equation. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the first thing we noticed all of us, as soon as we started shooting this thing was like, man, this thing just feels very comfortable to shoot. So I'll, uh, you asked me the grip question too, Dylan. I didn't oh, know yes. you a good answer. I never got to that. You, I like to talk about cams. You know how I feel about cams. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but you asked about the grip first. So I actually have like the prototype that started that. But really what we did with the grip was it, so we took our high-end grip that we started to do on the refine this year, which got, um, and which was our Grizz grip. So we took the grip geometry that we use on our most expensive, our flagship bow, and then we were like, okay, how do we put that grip on on these other risers, um, and and still make it very comfortable, right? So the the kind of the palms what so we get so into grips we're looking at your palms well we have some great engineers that you know helped with palms well but then we widened it just a touch that's where i don't want to get down like the speed talk where it sounds bad like when you say wide and bigger on grips most archers cringe because the trend is oh you want it as small as possible we want it to feel comfortable so we wanted it as small as possible with a comfort feel so we really plays played with that that type of fit so it fits just perfect right here in your hand we really wanted to go with that curve part of your hand and then we've added this soft touch coating to it which is actually one of the first samples that we um, sent to Aaron and team just to be like take this on hunts try to rub this off um, keep it in your truck like we tried everything we went to like Aaron kept... sat there for seven hours just going like this <laughs> <laughs> um, we it, put like 
we put sandpaper on it. We put it in the freezer, but we're like, we want real, real world stuff yeah. too. Like, you know, don't the only the way the hunting public can like put it on the ground and leave it there for a while and see what happens. Right. So we feel so great about that. One of the reasons we wanted that was, of course, when you're hunting and you hold that bow for so long, you know, especially like elk hunting, you're going to sweat lots of times early elk season just depends on where you're at and what's happening. Right. But I know most of my early elk hunts, there's some sweating involved, but you, I didn't want anybody's hand to uh, lots of times when you start to sweat, your hand will move up kind of into the neck. And we didn't want that. That's why there's that palm swell. So if you grip it at all, it, it should start to grab it a little bit with some friction. So what we're, I mean, might not work great for everybody, but we feel like we've definitely got the masses covered with that on the grip. Um, but that kind of goes into your other question on what are the first things you think about on bow development, which I we don't have enough time for me to go over all the different things I think <laughs> about when we're talking about bow development, because it depends on, you know, my what price point am I working on, all the other things. On this one, though, we really wanted it to be feel. And to me, when you're thinking about feel, the first thing most people touch on the bow is the grip. So you, I mean, that's going to give them lots of times. That's the perception. I hate this bow or I like this bow is yeah. the grip. And then even before they shoot it. Yes. Even before they shoot it. And then we felt like the solo cam was important because boy, it's hard to pull back a solo cam and be like, Oh, that felt awful. Like they, <laughs> they don't really feel that way. I mean, they're pretty much most solo cams are going to be smooth. Yeah. No. Um, I, <laughs> You know, I remember watching this change take place and, uh, in the, and I was working at a bow shop really when it was, when it was in the, in the big swing of changing from solo cams to everybody trying to do cam and a half and, and dual cams. And, and I'm like, why? Like, and it goes back to speed. That was everything everybody cared about was how fast can I get my bow to shoot? I'm going to shoot a, a 200 green arrow and, and I'm going to get, I'm like, for real? Like why? And, uh, and so I'm excited to kind of see this, uh, resurgence, um, from, from bear and, and largely due to because the hunting public, but, but people falling back in love with the shootability and, and smoothness of a single cam bow. Yeah, we really like them a lot. I mean, and there's, that's the good thing with bear. They got, they have something for everybody throughout the whole line, just depending yeah. on what you, what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, um, whitetail bow hunting whitetails in large parts are close range game. It's not, that's yeah. not, that is not the, you know, always or never answer, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obviously exceptions to that, um, in some places, but in large part, that's where that, that's what bow hunting whitetails is, is it's a 20 yard shot. A lot of times. I mean, occasionally yeah. you, you get out there further than that. And those, that's why all these other factors were higher on the priority list for us. At the end of the day, they like I told Ryan several times on phone calls, like, Ryan, we're just average dudes. We don't know what any of this technical stuff means. Ryan. We just know how to. <laughs> yes, we just know how to pick the bow up and shoot it. Probably not the right way. Um you know, not with not, I don't mean that badly. I mean, like we don't have perfect form when a buck comes by us, our hearts beating a million miles an hour and some things that we practice might go out the window. So 
what's a is there a bow that we can build that is tough as nails that we can drag through you know the brush and beat the crap out of that's accurate and easy to tune that it, it, that feels great to shoot and that's where all of the that then the wheels just start turning for him after that and we end up with this thing and like it's yeah. exactly what we had in mind when we when we started down this road um and i think you know that i think the average bow hunter that is looking for a mid price point bow that is going to kill the heck out of deer this is going to be a great option for them and i would That's add we, we need it uh a lot of a draw length adjustment, which we haven't talked too much about that, Dylan, but it goes from 24 to 31 inches. So we wanted to try yeah. to make sure that we could fit everybody. So, and, you know, you can get limbs 45 to 60 pounds or 55 to 70, which are pretty standard for bear. But, I mean, you could get down into that 45 and, you know, shorter draw length, like 24 and 25 and really hit everybody. Here's my tip. Yeah, we talked um, a lot about the draw length last summer, and that's a that's a big deal because we're all like I mentioned earlier, all of us on our in our group are all shooting something different as far as draw length goes, and we all fall within that that range. Here's a here's my tip, um, and then we'll dive into the accessory package that um, the bow was pieced together with but um here's my tip if you want to shoot 60 pounds and ryan alluded to it you want to shoot a bow a bow is going to shoot best at its at its maxed out potential is that yeah, what you would peak. say yeah. it's peak it's, it's peak weight so if you want to shoot 60 pounds get the bow that maxes out at 60 pounds don't get a 70 pound bow and crank it back a little bit um, that bow will shoot better um if if you do that. Um, so that's just a quick tip before we dive into the the setup of that. Let me give a quick shout out to my boys over at arrow junkie. Um, I fell in love with those guys because I am, I'm an arrow tinkerer, much like, um, the hunting public. I like playing with arrows. I like playing with different fletching configurations, different weights in the outserts and the broadheads. I like playing with that different types of stuff. Um, it's what I do for fun. Um, you know, some people read books at night. I sharpen broadheads at night. That's what I like to do. <laughs> Uh, arrow junkie gives you all of the tools you need to build your own arrows, um, from, from jigs and, and planers to, um, veins, wraps, glues, everything. Um, so I would highly recommend you to go check out, uh, arrow junkie. They have a large selection of broadheads. Um, they have some incredibly cool, uh, merchandise. So I would highly recommend you check out aerojunkie.com and they do a, a monthly giveaway where you can win your own arrow building stuff. Um, so as far as accessories go, why did you choose the accessories you chose, Aaron? Um, I've been shooting on hot wire site now for the last couple of years and, uh, really like it a lot. It's built really soft. It's built solid. Um, and that's one of the main things is I want a really solid housing around the pins because we're dragging it through brush all the time. And I want the pins to be solid and durable as well. And, uh, the hot wire check both those boxes, uh, for whitetail hunting. I'm mostly, I'm only using the top pin. I'm occasionally using the second pin. Uh, if I have to take a shot, that's closer to 30 yards. And then I like having that floater pin down below it that I can practice with in the yard, you know, that I can yeah. shoot 40, 50, 60 yards with, if I want to dial it down there, it's just very versatile sight. So 
that's the one I've shot for several years now. I actually have two of them right now. Um, and, uh, love those. I recently, uh, I've got the new quiver on there and I put the, uh, the kit on it to make it, um, oh, See, what is it? Two piece. The two piece quiver to, yeah. that attaches to permanently to the bow. Because that's one thing we've started doing more and more in the last few years is we don't, we don't take our quivers off as much as we used to. You know, a lot of, if you're a tree stand hunter primarily and you get up there and you've got a, a place to hang it up, that's what I used to do anyway, is I'd detach the quiver and I'd hang it up and I would mainly practice with no quiver on, but more and more, the more elk hunting we've done in the last few years and the more just deer hunting on the ground where we're moving around, still hunting, uh, the more we find ourselves leaving the quivers on. So I just changed that to a two piece the other day. Might I just say too, if you're using a good quiver, like the Versalite, where you can adjust how far close it is, the tilt. If you're using a good quiver, that quiver can act as a to help you balance your boat. Used to quivers were big and obnoxious, and you couldn't get them close to your riser, and that's why we took them off because it added so much extra weight and can't on that side of the bow. But if you're shooting a good quiver, it'll actually help you balance your bow rather than than throw your bow out of balance. So, um, something to think about there. Yeah, Greg just put that Hitman stabilizer on his that has got that counterbalancing stabilizer. Yeah. And he loves that thing. So now he's shooting with his quiver on with that Hitman. So yeah. I like to I I like a two piece. I do have some one pieces like what we were just talking about to where I can adjust it so close to the rest. But um kind of like Greg, I like to have when I put when I find out the right balance of my bow for the offset, I have the quiver on there. And the way I mostly practice is there's always four arrows on in my quiver at all times. And I just I'm always shooting the fifth arrow. That way that bow always feels the same weight. Maybe overkill on perfect practice makes perfect, but that's the way I like to do it. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I've been going to three arrows recently when I'm packing 700 grainers around. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like that. Uh, that stabilizer a lot is really handy for that. And then uh, we use a variety of stabilizers from up and down the bear line across the board. But most of us are shooting Sync MD rests right now. now. And that's I think that's it on the accessory I gotta side. I got to ask you, with your hunting style, and with your guys' mentality towards everything else, don't take this negatively, um, and your mentality towards everything else, I would think, if you didn't tell me what rest you shot, I would think dudes are Whisker Biscuit guys. Just because we love of your, those, too. Really? So why do you choose mm -hmm. the sink over a Whisker Biscuit? Just curious. Uh, we shoot the sink, uh, a lot of us do, because of the heavier arrows. Uh, you know, the, the it would biscuits. fall through the Whisker the yeah, once you gotcha. once you get up to those ridiculous 700 yeah. grains, you know, I mean, which is not what your average guys that are starting to go heavier now are ending up around 550 grains. Yeah. And some of them are creeping upwards of 600, depending on how long their draw lengths are. But we're, we like experimenting. So we wanted to, we wanted those drop. Like we like shooting so we, tree trunks out of our boats. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, but we love the whisker biscuits too. Like we, Several of the package bows, you know, a few years ago, the species package bows that came with the whisker biscuit, we 
we would take those things literally right out of the package and go tune them in one or two shots. And then the boys would shoot that rest on there all year and had great luck. It's an awesome hunting rest. Yeah. Um, I've fallen in love with it, man. I shot a, a fall away for nine years, you know, fell into the whole misconception of you got to shoot a drop away. And, uh, it was actually, it was David Blanton one year said, I'll tell you what, you shoot a whisker biscuit for one year. And if you don't love it, I'll buy you back another drop away. And, and I was like, okay, deal. And so I shot a whisker biscuit probably five years ago, no, four years ago, and just never looked back. I love it. I took it into a guy and, and handed him my bow and, and he was going to shoot it through paper and, and we were going to tune it up. And he said, dude, these four fletches will never tune out of this whisker biscuit. And I'm like, just, just shoot it. And he comes back. He's like, yeah, it was a bullet hole. I'm like, all right, thank you, sir. And, uh, walked out happy. Ryan, I was at a shoot this weekend. I was at a mountain archery fest and some people ran over and they're like, Dylan, we need your help. We need your help. I'm like, what? And they're like, you know, the guys at trophy Ridge, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we need to change the name of whisker biscuit. Cause that doesn't make any sense. There's no hole in a biscuit. He's like, we need to change it to a whisker bagel. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'll see if we can't get that pushed through there for you. They're like, it just makes way more sense. It's got an actual hole in it. They're like, whisker yeah, you're donut, right. whisker bagel, you know, something that has a hole in it. And I'm like, well, you're not wrong. So we got to push that through the chain. Yeah. It's not like a lot of people know whisker biscuit by name or anything. Right. And we always, <laughs> we always call it the clean acts of rest nowadays. But it'll catch on though. It would catch on. I I think it would have caught on just as quick as the biscuit did. <laughs> yeah. I bagel I actually like a little better. Now this bow, uh this bow does come with the free onyx maps. Um, so that's another yes. benefit of this. Um Ryan, what is the not the science, but but how does that uh the the new stabilizer, the shock stop, how does it perform? I don't want to say so much better, but, but it seems to just absorb so much more vibration. I was actually in the booth at ATA when Aaron and, and his posse, that's what I'm just going to call you guys, Aaron and the posse. <laughs> when, when the, when the hunting public crew rolled up and they began to give the demonstration of the shock stop, um, and they did the whole hit the boat test, you know, and see how much vibrations on it, then put the stabilizer on, hit it again. And, and it really was, it was like, holy crap, this takes out a lot of vibration. Um, so why does that, that stabilizer seem to, to suck up so much more vibration than, than some other stabilizers? So I think a misconception on stabilizers is that they take out a lot of vibration that used to be the kind of used to be the thing, um, a while ago. And then they quickly more became, you know, a way to counterbalance your bow. Some people like a hard rock forward. Some people like it almost to be dead or very, very little. So it, it, well, I would say when the honey market became more target oriented, which is probably about 10 years or so now where we all started to shoot longer and things like that. And I'm definitely part of that as well with offsets and things like that. You used not see that in the hunting world as much. Um, but then you saw that mostly, you know, then it just became more like carbon rods and things like that with weights on them. What the, the shock stopper is not that. So, I mean, that stabilizer is meant to take vibration out of bows. I mean, so there's some very, um, not trying to give away too much of our great technology, but there is technology working inside that stabilizer to take out um, vibration. And what you said, like what we showed at ATA is 
is is is nuts. We would even put our hitman, which we love. I shoot a hitman mostly on all my my bows, which is our better stabilizer. You and it takes some vibration now. It definitely helps stabilize the shot. You can you know customize your weight, but when you take that off a bow and put the shock stopper on there. It's crazy how much more it takes out instantly. Um, and I like that we're talking about this too, because vibration has became more of a bigger thing now and to make sure that it's out of, you know, get as much as you can out of those. And there was a time back when we were talking about speed, a lot of people didn't care about um, if there's vibration in the bow, they just wanted speed, but definitely things have shifted now to where we're trying to make them um, have no vibration or as little as possible. Right. Um, before we go, both of you have been on the show before. Um, Fred Bear was big on his field notes. I ask every guest, uh, what's one field note you'd like to share with us? One tip, trick, um, something that I can take and make myself a better hunter with. Um, Aaron, I'm going to make you, I'm going to tell you what you have to give, if that's okay. Um, okay. Uh, something along the lines of why heavier arrows or what to look for in a heavier arrow or, you know, just some, some tip you found along the way about shooting heavier arrows. Um, they, the, the heavier arrows I feel like are a combination of a heavier arrow with a solid one piece cut on contact broadhead. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if, in our, in our hunting situations, we find ourselves getting a lot of close range opportunities at deer through tight in tight quarters, through tight windows. A lot of like, there's not a high odds chance of, on the, most of the public land that we hunt across the country that we're going to get like a 40 or 50 yard shot at a mature buck because we're usually not hunting them in a setting like that. We're usually right. in thick stuff where you can see bits and pieces of the animal as they're coming in. And that enables us to get extremely close, but it also, it also puts us, you know, shooting through these tight little windows Yeah, where, you know, occasionally we've had those issues over the years where you impact heavy bone. Now there's a big difference in heavy in, in the bone density of a year and a half, two and a half year old buck or doe versus a five and a half year old buck, especially in the Midwest. They're just, they're just built much, much stronger. And once you go up in arrow weight forward to center and with a very, very durable cut on contact broadhead, specifically a single bevel broadhead that's designed to split bone, you kind of marry all those things together and you have a tool that can help a meat you. missile. Well, it's, it's more like a bone missile. <laughs> it's that that's what it's designed to do. So I killed a buck a couple of years ago and I hit him right in the ball and socket joint, right where the humerus connects to the scapula at the bottom. And it's, it might, I think it is the heaviest bone in the front of the, that buck. It is where, where we design and work on broadheads. That that's the part you worry about the most. That's, that's a fail or right. a not fail right there. Yep. And I we need more data on this because Ashby did did all these studies years ago on hundreds and hundreds of animals, and he's got all this great information. But we need modern day data today on what is the heavy bone threshold of a modern compound bow and arrow. 
we got to quit testing for penetration and targets and things like that, because that's not what we're shooting at when we're hunting. So yeah. you're, you've got to shoot at, at essentially live animals with heavy bones that are moving. So the, you know, your impact point is changing. There is energy associated with the movement of the animal that you are not getting anywhere in a target. Right. So I guess this is my long winded way of saying we like the heavier arrows with the single bevel kind on contact heads because they are better equipped tools to going through heavy bone in the event that we encounter heavy bone. Now, if you're, if you're hunting in a more controlled setting where you can absolutely wait for that perfect 20 yard broadside or slightly quarter and away shot where you can slide it right through the ribs, then it's not as big of an issue. But when we're in thick brush like that, we're, we're obviously, we're trying to wait for those shots and get those. But th- as you guys know, when you're hunting, things happen extremely fast. When a big buck comes in, a lot of people say, you know, that you, that they're able to make these hundred percent perfect decisions every single time. And I just don't think that's realistic for 99% of the hunters that are out there. Like you can tell yourself all that, all that you want, you can shoot a bag in your yard as many times as you want. And it will not mentally prepare you for a giant five-year-old buck. It's 15 yards. Right. Like it, your, your mind is not in the same place. Your heart rate is not at the same place. It is just a completely different situation. So all I'm saying with that is that that's why we choose those arrows is because we feel like it gives us a little bit more margin for error in, in the event that we do hit a heavy bone in the animal. That's what I was going to say. Even if you are shooting deer on your back 40 and you've got lanes cut every direction and you know right where the deer's coming you you're going to shoot them at 20 yards quarter and away even if why not have that margin of error why not if the deer turns a little bit and you hit something you did well there's there's all kinds of ways you can go about it honestly i mean and i'm not sitting here trying to say that a 450 grain arrow with mechanical won't kill a whitetail because we've killed dozens of them with they work awesome they're just that is not the tool for for cutting the humerus bone off of a deer off of a mature buck that's not the tool the tool that we know right now that works to some degree is a single bevel head with a heavier arrow that has got higher momentum um but like i said we i really want because i talked about this with greg the other night while we were shooting the adapts in the yard it's like man i really wish that somebody would do uh more studies on live animals you know, like Ashby did years ago with modern day stuff. And then we could really see, you know, down to the deep details that he brought us, you know, cause back yeah. from his day to 650 grains was the heavy bone threshold. It was like, once you, once you got upwards of 650, sort of, some of them would go through heavy bones and some of them would not. But once he eclipsed 650, it was like, boom, every time they're breaking them. And I don't know what that heavy bone threshold is with a modern day compound and modern arrow setups because we have not tested it at, at length. You know, we've shot all kinds of other things like two by fours and bricks and all, all kinds of stuff, but we really need to test it on live animals to see what that is yeah. and more data that we'll get over time. You know, I mean, it, my arrow setup worked great on that buck a couple of years ago. It did exactly what I was, what it was designed to do, but, we need that scenario to play out another 150 times, you know, so that we can draw some more significant conclusions about it. Sounds like you better keep hunting a lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I didn't mean to hit him there. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't purposely hit him right in the ball and socket yeah. joint, right? Like that's not, that's not where you're aiming. You're, you're trying to hit him behind that. But I hit a tiny twig that I didn't see in between me and the deer, and it redirected the arrow. That's another reason to shoot a heavy arrow, um, and a fixed blade is because it won't get as as messed up by little brush, little twigs, shooting through grass, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, there's pros and cons to both of them. There, there yeah. definitely is. And it, it totally depends on what you're comfortable with, what you got confidence in, and your hunting situation that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't exchange anything for confidence. You've no. got to have confidence in your setup. You've got to believe in what you shoot. You've got to believe. Somebody asked me, Dylan, what's your, what's your, um, furthest shot you'll take at an animal and i said the furthest shot i'll take at an animal is when i look at an animal and say i can kill that thing then i'll shoot it and if i look at an animal and say ah you know i don't i don't i don't know um then i'm not shooting it um sure and that changes from time to time there's been times where i didn't feel good shooting an animal at 13 yards i mean it was alert there was a small window there was stuff between us and i'm like ah, i just can't make that shot and there's been times where at 40 yards i'm like dude i could drop him right now and i shoot um so so that that shot distance for me changes all the time um you have to know what am i comfortable with what can i make work in the field for me um and that's what you need to shoot so um what do you got for us ryan um, I have something that's right for you. So a couple of years ago, um, you know, I'm a big turkey hunter. So I was turkey hunting, but I'd already shot one with compound bone, decided I was going to switch to recurve. So a little bit like what you are now, like I was confident enough. I was like, well, the recurve is working good for me. I'm going to use it. Um, and so in real life, what I wish, so of course I was shooting the recurve like everybody else practicing. I'd shoot on, I'd, I was shooting, sitting down a lot, but not with the the blind around me in practice. And lots of times I do. But what really got me different using a recurve now, I like our Kodiak, which is a little bit longer recurve. Everybody has their favorite. Obviously, our takedown is most people's favorite, but Kodiak's my favorite. So everybody has their own. Um, The awareness of how much bigger that bow is than my normal i tend to like a 30 inch compound axle to axle everybody's different i have a a smaller draw so 30 inches with my 26 and a half inch draw fits me really well so that tends to be my go-to bow um and sometimes i'll go a lot longer 32 something like that but i never had anything like this recurve so i remember the first turkeys i drew up on it still ended up working out but um the tip of that touched the top of the blind, which of course kind of got me like what Aaron was saying, kind of just, it knocked me off my game a little bit. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to mess this up. I got lucky and it it didn't, they were coming in hot for the decoy anyway, but I had to tilt that bow a little bit more than anticipated um, to make it all happen. And it, it, that part all worked out, but I wish I had practiced a little bit more and got used to how I was going to have to adjust the bow versus what my compound was. So even when I knew I was shooting well enough, I wasn't hunting with it a lot, which just takes some t- time. So kind of my tail from the field, I learned a little bit that day. The first time I shot my recurve out of a blind, I was uh, hunting javelinas in South Texas. and my buddy had literally taken this blind out of the box and set it up and, uh, and he was hunting somewhere else. And 
I had decided to sit in that blind that he had literally just pulled out of the box brand new and set up. And, uh, and I had a cameraman and I shoot and the top limb zips through the top of that blind and, and makes a stinking rip to, an, to, I don't know, nine inches long. And the camera guy goes, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go get a piece of black duct tape. I'm going to put it over that. And you're not going to say a word. And it wasn't until like two and a half years later, he texts like the whole group that was there. And he's like, what happened to this blind, dude? I just took it. He's like, there's a rip. I'm like, dude, I have no idea, man. You know, cactuses in Texas. Who knows? dude? <laughs> so, something ripped it. And uh, so I still, hopefully it doesn't listen to this because I still to this day got away with it. But we'll see. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, where can they get more information on this bow, Ryan? Um, so we have it up on our site. So beararchery.com um, should give you everything you need to know about the the bow and the bow only version is already out live and is at many, many um, bear dealers. So we're super excited about that. And then um, Aaron and the whole team is supporting us a ton too. So but Aaron has some good information on their site about the bow as well. You can cover that. Yeah, we're going to be dropping a video on YouTube here in the next day or two that is going to be all about the adapt it's going to be you know what our feelings are on it out of the box what we think you know the pricing where it's going to be available we talk about all that stuff and then we link to everything we've got i think we've got links to like the specific dealers that alex sent me where you can find the bow and then later this fall it'll be available in uh bass pro cabellas as well so so if yeah, you're not subscribed to the hunting public on YouTube, you've got a problem. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But if you're not subscribed, go check it out because uh, here in the next day or two, you'll get everything you need to know about this bow. A look at it, their thoughts on it. Uh, so go check that out. Before we go, I do have you're to gonna, You're going to get the rednecks point of view on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I do have to give a shout out to our friends over at Three Rivers Archery, your one-stop shop for all things traditional. They have been long supporters of bear archery, good friends of bear archery. They have a ton of bear archery memorabilia, swag, whatever you want to call it. I just ordered a couple signs for my house um, that you can't get anywhere else that are, are some vintage bear archery signs. Uh, they carry the bear archery recurves. They carry everything you need uh, to get started in traditional archery or uh, for the most advanced traditional archers. So go check out our good friends over at Three Rivers Archery. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Guys, make sure and check out the Adapt. Make sure and tune into the hunting public on YouTube to catch that video dropping in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great week. <laughs>